Welcome to Interviews for Resistance. We are now several months into the Trump administration and activists have scored some important victories in those months. Yet there's always more to be done and for many people the question of where to focus and how to help remains. In this series we talk with organizers, agitators, and educators not only about how to resist but how to build a better world. I'm Sarah Jaffe, your host. I am David Dwalde, the Deputy Director with the Democratic Socialists of America. So you had a pretty successful election night. Um, tell us about, well, tell us what you were thinking when you started hearing the results come in. Well, it was very funny for me because I will be quite honest that a lot of us were, uh, I think, maybe deeply affected by 2016. We're not as optimistic <laughs> uh-huh. as um, we should have been. And so I actually, because I was speaking at a conference for the European left, uh, it was in Belgium, and I was many hours ahead, so I was just like, I'm just going to go to bed, and I'll wake up, <laughs> and I'll see how we did, and I just didn't want to stay up and just, like, lose sleep. And then I awake to a flurry of text messages and Facebook messages like, oh, my God, Lee did, Lee did, referring to Lee Carter, our member in Virginia, and oh, my God, J.T. Scott won in Massachusetts. And it was just this, uh, it was truly like I... Uh, it didn't burst into tears, but I was fighting back tears in the hotel room alone because I had almost no one to share it with. But I did have these have Facebook and was messaging people, and then it was. But it was truly one of the best experiences of my life, and it was just because it was such a pleasant surprise, <laughs> and it really like had you know exceeded my expectation. A lot of other people who you know wanted it to happen, but like just weren't sure mm-hmm. it was going to happen. Was there a particular one that you were really sort of surprised and excited by? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's, I'm going to be uncreative and say the Lee Carter race um, in Virginia, um, partly because I, uh, as you you would probably know, but your other folks may not, is I do work out of the the, uh, Washington, D.C. office of DSA, so I was able to meet Lee. Um, at, for the first time at a major, uh, meeting we had after the election where about 140 people came and he came and spoke and he just like, he impressed me deeply. And then he had come to a couple of things, including my like Labor Day barbecue, the pitches campaign. And then I went down to, uh, you know, volunteer, but you know, when you volunteer, it's hard to get a read on sometimes on the crowd. And Mm -hmm. so I was like very hopeful, um, of course, but, you know, he had hired like some great DSA members who all could, could, you know, were under 23 and he had like, was like taking on this huge incumbent with a war chest who then dropped like these anti-communist mailer on us. And so it was, (laughs) it was, it wasn't, I I just was very worried. And I just, and then just to see like, even though I knew we were doing everything right, you can do, you know, everything right. It doesn't matter. And so that was just a huge surprise, but the JT Scott race too, um, because I had actually lived in Somerville where JT is now uh, an alderman. Mm -hmm. And it was impressive to me because I knew the machine. I remember like how difficult it was uh, to beat them and how kind of recalcitrant, you know, some of the residents could be towards new people and change. Yeah. Um, so even though it was a democratic stronghold, there was definitely the new versus old residents. And mm-hmm. to see him take on this incumbent who I know had, you know, had definitely had a base. <laughs> it had been there for 15 years, but that just, that he just did it through, you know, blood, sweat and tears was just like, 
truly overwhelming. And it was just really great to see all those grassroots campaigns led by CSA, but also working with our revolution, you know, to really sweep uh, these elections, plus lots of other allies, especially yeah. in the Carter race, such as Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting. You mentioned those two in particular, because one of these was against, of course, a Republican incumbent. The other one was against sort of the Democratic Party machine. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would love to hear you sort of talk about that aspect of this, that in some places you were going up against these, you know, right wing people. And in other cases, you're, you're taking on, you know, sort of centrist Democrats. Yeah. Yeah, it's been it was an interesting and fascinating kind of scope of races that we took in. So we um, ultimately endorsed six candidates uh, nationally. Um, some of whom were running against Democrats, like Ginger Jensen, who was in Social Alternative. Uh, uh, she ran against two Democrats, actually, in a ranked choice voting race. Uh, others, like Jabari, Chris Ford was a Green, who ran against, like, the machine type Democrat. Mm-hmm. But most of them were Democrats themselves and were running either in primaries, like uh, Khadr al-Yahim in, in Brooklyn, and uh, Tristan Rader, who won as well in Lakewood, Ohio. And it really just showed a couple of things. It showed to me that what I appreciate about the new DSA, the one that post Trump election, is how still committed it is to being flexible and being willing to work around local conditions. And I think that's what's going to make like a modern DSA thrive is not necessarily you know, having a one-size-fits-all model, but really allowing these grassroots chapters who are autonomous to work with national for what fits them. And so for sometimes that meant, like, we're going to take on the Democratic machine. Other times it was like, how can we work, <laughs> like, in, in, in Somerville and in Lakewood? And both of those actually succeeded. But sometimes it's like, it's just taking, it's just winning the Democratic ballot line that no one wants, like the Lee Carter race. Mm-hmm. And several, and, and, or Kara Glow, who was, you know, working in, who won school board. And I think what's really exciting for me too, and I think, you know, Khalid Kamau, who won, you know, one of our first nationally endorsed candidates after Bernie, who won, is that we're really focusing on lots of these local races in the hopes that, you know, like learning from the good lessons of, from bad people, like seeing how the right wing had built such a great pipeline. Mm-hmm of local candidates who eventually are now part of the ruling class and part of the congressional Republicans. And we feel that like it's very critical for groups like DSA to be flexible, but also like see our folks, train them on races where they can learn because it's very hard to win a race. And I think what was beautiful Mm -hmm. about Bernie Sanders is how he energized people, Mm -hmm. but was also kind of like worrisome for an old man like me was that like he made it seem too easy, I think, for people. And some people didn't appreciate how much work he had put in mm-hmm. throughout his career to like win those races and to get to that place where he could do that. Yeah. And so just like working with our folks and getting them to be flexible and know that it's not just like what works in Peoria doesn't necessarily work in Syracuse and vice versa. Right. It's been a really great experience to see how DSRs and other socialists that we work with, you know, learn that. Take us back a little bit to the the thinking and the the planning around electoral strategy this year. Talk about how the the strategy came together and how people within DSA now are thinking about electoral politics. Yeah, well, I'll try not to be too long winded, but it was a very <laughs> fascinating process 
for us and really one that evolved over the course of a year after uh, Bernie Sanders uh, first declared, uh, you know, his attention to the presidential primary. Mm-hmm. So we put, you know, DSA had kind of, you know, had come out of a movement that had really wanted to make the Democratic Party a social democratic party mm-hmm. and a really genuine progressive party. And I, with the rise and success in neoliberalism in the 90s and Clinton, both Bill and Hillary, um, and lots and culminating kind of Barack Obama, it was very clear that the idea of changing the Democratic Party was not really in the cards. And so DFA had kind of shifted away from electoral politics that had kind of been its bread and butter, you know, mission and had kind of just focused on good social movement work and other forms of education. Uh, but Bernie Sanders really, you know, energized people and especially us. And so DSA put a tremendous amount of energy in supporting his candidacy through independent expenditure. Um, and then people started coming to us for endorsements. You know, he really re-energized the idea of doing Demo- people wanting to run as like democratic socialists. And like we had to step up to the plate. Um, and so we started pretty small. Like we just did a handful of endorsements without much work. Uh, behind them, uh, such as Mike Sylvester, who's now a state representative in Maine, and Ian Schlackman, who ran as a Green for the Baltimore City Council, um, who ended up staying involved in our National Electoral Work, which I'll, committee, which I'll, National Electoral Committee, which I'll, um, get into in a second. Um, and, and that was pretty good. And then we started getting, then Khalid Kamal was like, our, you know, came out of nowhere and, you know, said like, let's work with you. And that's when we started realizing we could build a national program with Khalid, uh, using no, with Khalid, um, you know, through Khalid's campaign as a model, where we uh, called dozens of chapters and got them to phone bank for him, and people were just so excited to work for this amazing uh, member and fellow socialist, um, and that made us kind of realize like we could really start building, you know, socialist electoral power. Um, and then we had a handful more people come to us for endorsements, and then. By the spring of 2017, we kind of had to say stop <laughs> because what was happening was we had people were coming to us way ad hoc, and it just, this was especially with our convention coming up, we just didn't have the bandwidth to just take on people as needed. So what we did was, and that kind of shows to like how stronger DSA has gotten, was we created um, a national electoral committee, which included Ian Schlackman, who had run and nine other great uh, DSA members who applied and were accepted from who ranged from like people who were like the democratic politics to like people who had done like voters rights legal work to just grads people who run campaigns on their own and allowed candidates to apply uh, to be endorsed. And what we did to kind of re-jigger and make it easier for us to uh, institute our electoral mission as we created a, a three-point criteria to receive a DSA endorsement. So you had to be running as a socialist. You didn't have to be a DSA member, such as Ginger Jensen is not, uh, but you had to be a socialist and like say like and like be okay with talking about it, even if it wasn't like in the forefront of your campaign. You had to have, very important to us, is you had to have the support of a local DSA chapter and why that's really important for us is like we don't want to be that kind of DC or national group that kind of parachutes in and tells 
people know who they're going to be supporting. Like we really want endorsements to come from the grassroots. And I, and for example, unfortunately for Chwake uh, Lumumba, you know, we couldn't support him because he didn't at that time have a Mississippi DSA. Um, hopefully that'll be different now, but we were very strict about that. Even if we like it, we really love Lumumba, but it wasn't possible. And then the third thing was we really wanted people to show us that they had a pathway to victory. So we didn't need somebody to say, like, I'm 100% a shoe-in to win. But we wanted people to really show us they've been thinking about what were the steps to win their races. We didn't want to just say, like, just pick people who were like, I'm fighting the good fight. We wanted people who really were going to be out there hitting the pavement, talking to voters. Mm -hmm. Um, And from this, we were able to select uh, six candidates, uh, two of which who won, um, and really built a national infrastructure to support them through our great social media, which is a huge asset, especially for local races, trying to draw inter, you know national and potentially international attention and donations, but also using our network of hundreds of volunteers and thousands of members to like do phone banking and to do door knocking. Like for example, in Seattle, like John Grant, who ran as a great housing great housing advocate, who fortunately ran against like one of the uh, very good liberal Democrats, so made it. Our race, like the DSA, you know, knocked on 22,000 doors, and we were national. Like we made sure to send out emails for them to, to reach other members in the, in the state of Washington they might not have reached. Right. And the same thing with Carter, which is like we, we worked hard to talk to the media and kind of raise awareness, especially in the DC Beltway, about his race, which kind of helped generate attention we might not have gotten. So, so strategically, we kind of shifted, and we're trying to look at the 2018 about how we're going to expand this program because 2017 was kind of the test run <laughs> even like and it we'll see what happens but like we definitely want to be more sophisticated we want to increase like the standards to get endorsed and also look at you know now we tell people win so we want to make sure we hold them accountable we don't want to just be the organ you know people coming to us to get volunteers and leaving and so it's there's a lot of questions that are going to come up that the National Political Committee, which is the leadership, the National Electoral Committee are working on to really kind of make sure we're still a a very relevant and democratic organization that's electing socialists, good socialists who will be held accountable by their constituents. Mm -hmm. Um, So how does, I guess, the broader post-Bernie spectrum of groups and organizations you know, how does this fit together in this moment? I guess there were a bunch of Our Revolution endorsed candidates. There were some DSA endorsed candidates. There were other local people who come out of that movement all over the country. Um, I guess I'm wondering, yeah, how you think this this movement such as it is fits together or where are some of the tensions? That's a really great question. And actually, like, in the similar to how, like, I was, my uh, expectations were exceeded about how well DSA did on election night in November 2017, I've been rather pleasantly surprised about how well the different post-Bernie formations have been doing and working together to kind of keep this political revolution going. And I want to give like one great example, um, which is that our revolution, either locally or nationally, endorsed all of our candidates that we endorse nationally as well, not to mention like tons of local races and we have a very good working relationship 
with uh, our revolution. And we often share like information and like talk about great candidates. And we also have this affiliation program where CSA chapters can be the local our revolution chapter as well. So that to kind of avoid unnecessary, you know, duplication of efforts. And so like our Knoxville chapter, which helped elect two DSA members is also the Our Revolution chapter. So that's a really great uh, example of like keeping this collaboration going. But also Socialist Alternative, you know, which is one of the other major uh, endorsed Bernie Sanders, uh, worked with us not only on the Jensen campaign, but they were big supporters of Jabari Bridgeport running on the Green Party ticket. So there was lots of good energy coming out yeah. of teaming up and keeping this work going. Um, and so that was like, something I, you know, you just don't know going in after 2016 if that's going to keep alive. So we're going to see definitely what happens in 2018. I do have like brand new Congress check, you know, are looking at some of the people we're looking at for congressional races and justice Democrats, of course, too. So there's definitely a lot of potential out there. And it's been really exciting to see that different groups who bring different things are able to kind of still keep this going and also, you know, where you help me, I'll help you. And I especially saw that with um, our revolution and socialist alternative. And that makes me incredibly optimistic for 2018 to keep this kind of post-Bernie energy going. And I think Sanders is definitely, you know, has always sent all the right tunes to encourage that by like, he, his, you know, he posted about Lee Carter's victory. So he's clearly still promoting like democratic socialist candidates and like gets, gets him very excited. So that's only going to keep our, our base energized too. And so, yeah, I guess I want to wrap up then by talking about 2018 and what's coming down the pike. Um, this is going to be the congressional elections. Mm -hmm. What are you guys working on so far? <laughs> well, we um, have not made any endorsements yet, and I can't speak and I won't speak to with any too much hypothetical. Right. We do have definitely people who have approached us on the congressional level uh, for endorsements. We also have... Um, lots of locals who are already getting excited and uh i was at our meeting in dc our general membership meeting in dc and three city councilors came to speak uh who are not city councilors three uh county councilors from montgomery county which is the uh the county north of the district of columbia came to speak and two of whom are dsa members including one who is running for county executive and if he won, he would be the, you know, socialist at the largest constituency in America. Yeah. Because there's about twice as so many people in Montgomery County as there are in Vermont. Um, and so we're definitely seeing people already coming right now. And so I think what we're looking for 2018 is to expand our network of national volunteers who can then really work with local volunteers because the key still will be like the influence are going to make will be much more locally with like raising profiles nationally and working to create new systems to make sure that candidates will, um, you know, come to us with like a clearer understanding of what they want from us and what we want from them and kind of looking at, you know, maybe diff different tiers of endorsements is something we're thinking about. Very importantly, also looking about how we can support and hold candidates accountable after the election, because we understand that you first have to help get people elected, and to the degree you help them get elected is the degree of interest they will have in you. And we want to make sure that we're going to be educating DSA chapters that to hold people accountable means we're going to have to contribute a lot to their campaigns, but then also have clear expectations. So, for example, I was very excited coming out of our convention. We 
made a, we have a strict policy. We only endorse pro-choice candidates and helping DSA chapters think about how they kind of set their own standards for endorsements, I think will be really key. And it's like just getting people to think strategically, be sophisticated, but also, you know, keep politicians honest ultimately is a huge role DSA will play. And of course, prioritizing electing socialists will be our niche, you know, compared to other great pro-Spurney groups that definitely our focus will still be, you know, advancing a democratic socialist agenda more explicitly. Excellent. So how can people keep up with you and also with DSA's electoral efforts? Uh, well, you can always follow um, DSA at uh, Dem Socialist on Twitter. Um, but I, if you have any if people have any questions or comments or just want to get endorsements, learn more how the process works, I can always be reached um, at um, at uh, info at dsausa.org, and that'll go straight to me. And, we'll, and we're also going to be put, putting out a website pretty shortly about our electoral work. So people should be on the lookout for that on the website, dsausa.org. Interviews for Resistance is a project of Sarah Jaffe with assistance from Laura Fayabois and support from the Nation Institute. You can find more information at necessarytrouble.org. Thanks for listening.